The military embraces drag queens, Chelsea Clinton embraces soft porn education for kiddos, and TikTokers hate America. May the fourth be with us. It's time to crown my losers of the week. Now, you may have heard the U.S. military is struggling with recruitment right now, partly because of the lingering impact of the COVID vaccine mandate, partly because our commander-in-chief is a vegetable, and partly because the military has gone from a fighting force to a social experiment. So the federal government stepped in to, well, make it 20 times worse. Here is the U.S. Navy's new non-binary drag queen digital ambassador hired to recruit God only knows what into the armed services. Yeah, that should do the trick. I'm sure our generals looked at our dwindling military and thought, what we really need are more drag queens. You know, military recruiters know their audience less than Bud Light at this point, and it shows. But, you know, I don't get it. How is Joe Biden planning to defend Ukraine's border with this strategy? There are a lot of career paths that may allow for social experimentation. The U.S. military is not one of them. You know, we might all get nuked by China or Russia or Iran, but at least we will die inclusive. But why should we be surprised by any of this? This narrative has been embraced by Hollywood, academia, sports, and the mainstream media, so why not the military at this point? What's next, children's libraries? Oh, wait, that's already a thing. And Chelsea Clinton, the spawn of Hillary, is all for it. She's my loser number two this week after putting out this tweet lamenting over the fact some decent leaders want to keep gay porn depictions out of children's libraries. The horror. The book she showcased in her tweet to prove her point is titled Gender Queer, and yes, it features sexually explicit material. And while I do feel bad showing this to you, I think the point needs to be made to all the dim light bulbs out there who argue conservatives just want to ban innocent things and the word gay. No, no, this is not that. This is this. Are you disgusted? Because I'm repulsed, like I could literally throw up. This filth doesn't belong in children's spaces. It belongs in gay book clubs or in the trash can, but not in the hands of children. This is the world we now live in, folks, where gay porn and drag queens for kiddos is forcibly tolerated and the national anthem is offensive. I kid you not. Trigger warning, the video I'm about to show you terrified some liberal idiots. Play it. That's a restaurant and bar in Fallbrook, California, and while I'm shocked this is in California, I'm not shocked by the reaction of liberal TikTokers who found this display of patriotism to be traumatic. One user commented, by far the most dangerous situation I've ever been in. She used the hashtags, God bless America, get out, illegal, and white people things afterwards. Another user commented, serious question, is this real? Like people actually do this in real everyday life? 
You know, that comment belongs under, well, pick a Dylan Mulvaney video, any video. But this is America now, my friends. Young people are frazzled that their fellow Americans could possibly stand for the anthem, the flag that braver, better, and more valiant Americans came home under. And this is really sickening. Do they realize all the weird crap they're free to do has been afforded to them by Americans who gave their life, blood, and last breath for it? If these liberals pulled half the crap they do here in the U.S. of A. and many other countries, they'd be executed or thrown off a building. Ignorance is not bliss. It's a mind virus that manifests itself as entitlement and arrogance. And those are my losers of the week. But still ahead, he's a professional fighter, a father, and a patriot. Michael Chandler joins me in studio next. He's a father, a husband, and a professional fighter, but when it comes to his love of country, he's not pulling any punches. Joining me now here in Nashville is professional MMA fighter Michael Chandler. So it's great to have you, a fellow Nashvilleian. Yep, right here. So I know that you are not shy about your beliefs and your values, and I have found that those in professional fighting tend to be more on the conservative side, and I think that's also evidenced by when Donald Trump shows up to any match of any sort. It seems like everybody... <laughs> just absolutely loves Donald Trump. They love this country. What makes professional fighting different than all the other woke mind virus sports? You know, I think uh, just by nature, a individual sport, you have to be a lot more autonomous. You have to be a lot more self-sufficient. You have to be a lot more, um, what I do today, the work I put in today, um, when I go out there and compete, it's just me. There's nobody to blame it on. If I get my hand raised, it's because I went out there and did it and there was nobody to fall back on. Or if I go out there and lose, I can't point to my coaches. I can't point to my anybody, you know, any trainers. I can't point to anything else aside from the fact that I lost and I have to take ownership from it. So I think maybe it stems from some of that. And yeah, I think, you know, they just had an event. The UFC just had an event a couple of weeks ago at this point down in Miami. And it was number one, one of the greatest UFC events of all time per Dana White, our, you know, our head honcho. And uh, also, yeah, when Trump was there, Kid Rock was there. I actually saw Kid Rock on the golf course a couple days before. He said he was going down there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the place went bananas. And uh, turns out Florida's a big Trump state. <laughs> it is a big Trump state. We're going to get into that in a little bit, discussing some, some political stuff. I'm going to pick your brain. But, yeah, it seems like not only are the athletes in professional fighting, but the fans of professional fighting, they seem to be a little bit more on the conservative side. And that's so different from the BLM kneeling and the pride flags flying and about every other sport. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, though, is that because the fans of fighting are more conservative or is that because the fans of other sports just shut the hell up because they don't want to be labeled a name and they don't feel comfortable being America-loving, conservatives, independents, whatever, what have you, just not woke, not liberal, not communist. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I haven't thought about it a ton, but it's also, you know, I... You know, I'm not the most outspoken, but I think people can tell by the way I live my life, what I stand for, for the most part, that I'm, you know, I'm a conservative uh, by nature, and I'm a conservative by the way I live my life and my beliefs. Um, I haven't really thought about it that much, but I do love the fact that my my fan base, most of my fan base, most of the mixed martial arts fan base, and I um, see eye to eye or are cut from a similar cloth, if you will, and. Uh, yeah, you know, all I can do is just control what I can, which is going out there and putting on a show. And it turns out that good old red, white, and blue-blooded Americans love watching mixed martial arts, and I keep on doing it. And people who immigrated to this country that are also in professional fighting also love America, which is nice to see. It really mm -hmm. is. But going back to 
Donald Trump. Florida loves Trump. Florida also loves a man by the name of Ron DeSantis. Yep. So I have to get your opinion and your take on this, because this is a question I ask everybody that's more on the conservative side. Come 2024, who has your support? Donald <sighs> Trump or Ron DeSantis? I mean, this is the ultimate fight. You're a fighter. This yeah. is going to be the battle royale of all fights is going to be between those two. I believe that's going to be the most interesting race, not Biden, not Kamala, those two. Yeah, I mean, from a from a, a political standpoint, both of those guys are, in in my opinion, two phenomenal candidates, like two two guys that would be awesome to represent the Republican Party. Um, I think most people would say what people didn't like about Donald Trump was he didn't, you know, he kind of went off the cuff a little bit. He kind of just said what he wanted to. Ron DeSantis is a little bit more politically correct, which is a lot, is going to lean a little bit more towards the middle of the road people who dislike Trump a ton because of what he has said or <clears throat> the people he, that he has offended um, or even the fact that the fact that he wasn't afraid to say what he wanted to say mm -hmm. really made a lot of people upset. And I think we spend too much time thinking about how what we say is going to impact other people. <clears throat> and I think that's why Donald Trump has ruffled some feathers. So I think when it comes to the support that Donald Trump has had and has continued to have, whether it be, hey, we, we wish he was still in office, those people who wished he was still in office won that 2020 election. Um, he's got a huge amount of support, but when it comes to Ron DeSantis, he paints more of a broader brush, I would say. Um, I'm not quite 100% sure where I stand right now. I, you know, people know I've, I've taken a picture with Donald Trump, lost a bunch of followers on that day. Um, you lost a bunch of followers. Lost a bunch of followers that day. Really, really ticked me. off a lot of people. I mean, I mean, this is the thing too. I think if you get the opportunity to meet a president, a sitting president, a former president, any a sleeping president, president like a, Joe, a sleeping president, yeah. Are you not going to take a picture with them? Most people. Right. I mean, maybe maybe you wouldn't. I mean, I would if take Obama, a picture with Hillary. Obama, yeah, you know um, what I'm saying. I mean, any of them. So I mean, the, I mean, these are these are people that have shaped the the fabric of our country, our our very young country compared to. Um, a lot of established nations. Um, so just the fact that people just said, I can't believe you would do that, and you're this and you're that, and they bring my sons into it, and they do all this other stuff, and it's all just, it's just so politically charged. It's unfortunate. Um, but ultimately, I've liked Trump, what he has done. Yes, he made some people upset. I, didn't, I don't agree with every single thing that he has said, but I do love people who stand up for what is best for the United States and runs this country like we want to thrive and we we lead by example we lead through strength and um, the weak people are always going to be offended by that so obviously me I live my life by strength I fight in a cage for a living if I don't have strength physically and emotionally and spiritually I'm not going to be successful and I think it's carried me to where I am today so I think I lean a little bit more towards the conservative side of things for that reason you brought up your family. <clears throat> I know you fight for a living. When people talk about your family or things that are close to home, does that offend you? Do you get offended by that? Or is your skin so thick that it doesn't penetrate at this point? Well, so when they say stuff about me, it's my skin and it's, I, I can handle it, it's no big deal. I get you know, a lot of, as we all do, get a lot of negativity, negativity a lot of hate. Um, I've honestly just turned off a lot of, just turn off the comments when it comes to me posting stuff about my family, because I want, I want people to know who I'm fighting for. I want them to know why I wake up early in the morning, why I grind as hard as I do, why I make the decisions day after day um, for who I provide for. 
But ultimately, I don't want my sons or my wife to see that stuff said about them, even if it is by some troll somewhere right. in their, their mom's basement here or some bot farm uh, somewhere in some other country, which I'm convinced that half of the negative comments these days come from bot farms and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, just trying to spew up this um, kind of kind of spew up division and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, but my skin thick whenever it's coming towards me, but that's one way that gets my blood boiling, obviously talking about my family. Right. And let's talk about your family a little bit. For those that don't know, you adopted two sons. And for me, I, I have friends that are also in professional sports that have adopted, mm -hmm. and they say it's the best thing that's ever happened to them, that they, they love the kids like they're their own, and it's a really enriching experience. But for a lot of people looking in, the adoption, it's hard for people to understand how you could take that on, and it could impact your life so positively and be so all-encompassing. Tell me about that and why you decided to do that, you and your wife. Yeah, it's, it's the most beautiful thing of human existence. I never thought I could be so fulfilled, so full of joy and peace and, and compassion and just seeing my sons and watching them grow. And, and, and it's, it really is true. I mean, when we talk about your biological children, yeah, of course they were gonna be you know, little white boys that probably have brown eyes and it looked like me. And that's kind of what I, what I thought about for a very long time. And then I met my wife and then fell in love with her. And she had always wanted to adopt since she was 14 years old. God put it on her heart. She said, someday when I find a man, if I find a good man, I want to adopt. When we got together, she brought that to my attention. And I was like, okay, well, I hadn't really thought about it, but let me, you know, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. Let me seek wise counsel. Let me talk to people. Let me do a little bit of research. And there's not a ton. There's a lot of information out there, but there's not a ton of, you don't really know until you actually get into the process, how long the process takes. Um, obviously it costs money and there's a bunch of hurdles and there's a bunch of things, a bunch of boxes that you have to check. Um, and then we went through the process and we adopted our son Hap six years ago. Um, and now we have our son Ace who just turned one year old. And um, man, it is, uh, it is the most fulfilling thing I ever could have imagined in my entire life. I can win all the world titles, I can make all the money, I can have all the platform. Um, but being a father, is the greatest thing on the planet. And me obviously being in the public eye and fighting in a cage and being under the bright lights and all that kind of stuff, it's great, it pales into comparison to that. And also I'm getting the ability and have the, have the blessing to be able to paint this masterpiece that someday my kids will see when they're old enough. And I want them to hear who their dad was, how I operated, how I carried myself, what I did, not by what I tell them because they already think I'm Superman, you know? Um, but I want them to hear it from other people. I want them to hear it from people that I've impacted um, or that I've crossed paths with. And it's, uh, it is so amazing and I'm so, so grateful. And uh, maybe we're done, maybe we're not, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so now <clears throat> having young children, this world has gone crazy. I mean, yep. the United States in the last five years has been upside down. We literally live in the upside down. Does any of that concern you at all with your kids going to school and everything that's happening with you know the culture of society now, the things that they're learning, the division that's being sowed at such a young age, the the books, the discussions, I mean, it feels like sending your kid to school, even if you have the best resources, it's like, you know, it's a minefield sending them into that. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely scary and it's and it's it's so it just seems so wrong to to the to the average person. It just a lot of the stuff that we see, it just seems so wrong. It just seems so like you said upside down. It seems backwards. It doesn't it defies logic. It defies it defies the truth. 
You know, um, I think so many people who are proponents of the stuff that you're saying, they, they talk about truth or they talk about science or they talk about feelings or they talk about, and I think we've just, we've just become a society in which it doesn't matter what truth is. There is no absolute truth anymore. It's whatever I feel. It's whatever I want. It's whatever I want and I want it now. And I think social media has done that. I think um, it's just, it, it is a scary time to think, you know, my, like I said, my sons are six and one. You know, 10 years from now, my, my 16-year-old son is, you know, he's going to want a cell phone, have a cell phone, and who knows where social media is going to be at by, by then. I mean, you know, when we were kids, um, it was who was in our, maybe our school, and then when we, when we went home, we had a landline, and now it's my sons can be connected to some other kid and some person his age or maybe not his age in Yugoslavia or anywhere across the entire world. Um, so it's just, it is a little bit scary, um, but ultimately I do think evil will not prevail. I don't think, I do think good will prevail. I think there needs to be a fight that, against it. I think evil, evil prevails and succeeds when good men and women stand there and do nothing. Um, so I do think every day I'm focused on my four walls around my family, creating a, a life for them, a lifestyle for them, a bulletproof mindset, a bulletproof heart, and moral fabric that they're going to be able to discern right from wrong. The scary, the scary thing is, when does the wrong get thrust upon you without your, without right. your choice? That's that's the scariest part about everything. The time they spend in school. Boy, but yeah. there's a big controversy right now in sports in general, and that's something that should never be a controversy. But it's should women have their own flipping category <laughs> to be able to compete against other women. So this is something now, and it feels like a lot of the star athletes, whether it's in women's soccer, you got Brittany Griner in women's basketball, and others that are saying, oh, you know, let people just compete however they want, wherever they want. You've got people in fighting that are biological males cracking the skulls of actual women. I mean, when you look at this, it seems like it's just a couple here and there, a couple of Leah Thomases, but this is becoming much more prevalent. You have sons, but if you had a daughter and she spent her whole life, as you did, yeah. preparing to compete at a, at a professional level or even at a collegiate or high school level, and you watched a biological man come into her locker, locker room or compete against her and take away opportunities, how would you feel about that? No, I, I, yeah, like I said, I do have boys, um, luckily in this regard. Um, but I have thought about that. And remind me of the girl's name who took Riley second. Gaines. Riley Gaines. Yes. Um, and I see her going out and speaking, speaking out. And all she is doing is advocating for women. Um, she's speaking on behalf of women. She's standing up for and her, her platform is for women. And she's doing a great job of it. But to see the way that she is being kind of run through the mud and being attacked for just standing up for women. I thought that was a beautiful thing. I thought, I thought women needed more of a voice. Um, but ultimately, yeah, thinking about, I thought about her and I thought about, I know the work that my sons are going to do. My, my son's hat plays baseball right now and football. He's, hopefully he plays some sports because I like sports. It's fun, but he can do whatever he wants. Think, it could be music. It could be arts. It could be anything. But putting in the countless hours, the 10,000 hours that I had to put in just to, just to try to win a state title in, in wrestling and then just to try to win a national title now try to be the number one guy in the world. To have that taken from if I had a daughter, because um, it really is theft. It really is stealing, in my opinion. It's, it's unfortunate. Um, but I, I, have, I had this idea, too, because we know what Title IX is, right? Title mm -hmm. IX, you have to have the same amount of women as men, scholarships, all that kind of stuff. This is something I never actually talked about publicly. I thought, why doesn't Title IX come up with, why don't we have a Title IX for that topic where it's like, okay, for every man 
who transitions to woman, another man can't transition to woman and compete unless there is one woman transitioning to a male sport because you're not going to see that. You're not going to see a lot of women transitioning to men's sports. That's why I think so many people are so, so frustrated lopsided. and angry about it because you don't see it go the other way because yeah. there's not an advantage. So yes. when you see men being able to have such an advantage, you don't see a lot of women that are just like, I feel like a man, I want to play football. You yeah. just don't see it because they know that they would get absolutely destroyed. But the other way, it's like it's like a retirement for failed male athletes. They can go play women's sports now. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration is. is it's not about, okay, you want to be trans. I don't quite frankly care. But it's when you're starting to take away opportunities and accolades from people who are just biologically inferior to no fault of their own, that's where people get angry. Well, and I think, I think that's where the misconception happens as well. I, just as you said, I, like I said, I don't care if you want to be trans or if you are trans or, or any of that. Or, or It's never been about that. People are living their lives and there's people that are out there doing things that not everybody's going to agree with. But whenever you, whenever you cross the line over to sports or you cross the line over to other, um, other scenarios where oh, like the bathroom, I don't know, well, the that's, locker room, that's inappropriate places yeah, that's where definitely, we just don't need young men yeah, it's, it, with it, women. Once again, th certain things just defy logic. And it's, and it's unfortunate because, yeah, you, don't, you want people, we, we do live in a free country. We, we live in the, most, the greatest country ever assembled, the greatest nation ever assembled. We live in a free country and you have free will to move about the country. And as long as you don't break laws, you're, you, you can live your thriving, happy life and do it the way you want to do it. That's what we stand on. That's why we, that's what we, the people said we want to do. So I, I, they, people should be allowed to do what they want to do, conduct the life that they want to conduct as long as it's not infringing upon other people's, uh, other people's rights as well as other people's, um, Quite frankly, just scary things, scary things like you talk about a bathroom um, and those different scenarios. So it's, it's tough. We'll move back into sports because I know that you've got an ESPN show coming out, Ultimate Fighter 31, mm -hmm. I believe it is. So you and Conor McGregor, they're teaming up, or I guess, against each other, training fighters to go head-to-head. -head. Tell us a little bit about that and then also your relationship with Conor McGregor. It was awesome. Um, it was one of the hardest experiences of my life thus far. Um, I thought, you know, because the Ultimate Fighter, for anybody who doesn't know, it's, it's me and Connor. Uh, we have our teams. I have eight guys. He has eight guys. My eight guys fight his eight guys to, to get to the finals to win a UFC contract. Um, ultimately, um, I thought I was going to go there. It's a reality show. It's on ESPN. Do some training. You know, wasn't going to care too much about the guys. I just wanted to beat Connor. And I got there and immediately, as soon as I met my guys, I looked them all in the eyes and made a promise to them that I was going to give my best. And after that promise was made, and then I started to just fall in love with these guys' stories and, and what they've overcome, where they came from. And they're just, I had, I had such an awesome group of dudes. So I would wake up in the morning. First thing I would think about was how am I going to train these guys? All day long, we're training, we're doing the show, we're doing all kinds of stuff, uh, extra interviews and extra shooting of stuff. And then another training session. Then I'd go out with my coaches at night to kind of debrief everything, take them out to uh, to dinner, and then up until the night or the the moment my head hit the pillow, I was thinking about how do I get these guys in the best scenario. So ultimately, it was a very hard experience because I cared so much, and I think it's hopefully it translates really well onto onto ESPN how much I cared. I know my guys knew I cared, um, and I showed up for them, and, and Team Chandler did did pretty darn good. We'll leave it at that. Um, but my relationship with Connor is. Uh, 
it's it's actually very good. I think he and I, as good as it could be, knowing that you're going to step into the confines of competition and get into a hand-to-hand altercation with somebody, I have a ton of respect for him, how he fights, um, who he has fought. His resume speaks for itself. He is the biggest, not just the biggest MMA superstar and name on the planet, but also one of the biggest sports stars on the planet. He's he's uh, he's mega, you know. So it's a uh, it's good, you know. There's a little tension here and there. You'll see that on the show. My my relationship with him right now, I believe I'm going to beat him and finish him, knock him out. He believes the same um, that he's going to be able to do to me. So we're we're two uh, two competitors cut from the same cloth, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So when is that going to happen? The matchup between the two of you. Um, so we don't have an actual date yet. So the the show it's definitely going to happen after the show. The show is on ESPN every Tuesday night, starting May 30th. So May 30th to August 15th, 12 episodes on ESPN, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, something like that. Um, and then, so we'll definitely be fighting after August, sometime between September and November, I would imagine. Um, but it is definitely not set yet. All right. So I think a lot of people are very excited about that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one. I mean, the, the fight itself, obviously it's a, it's going to be a huge fight. Um, if you, anybody who's watched me fight, Foot on the gas the entire time, nonstop entertaining. Um, Connor is a larger-than-life uh, figure and goes out there to entertain and, and bludgeon guys, beat guys badly. <laughs> so uh, we both uh, we both have the same goal, fierce competitors. And uh, the show itself also, starting May 3rd, is going to be fun. And two very nice people as well, because Connor, not too long ago, was at Fox News with Hannity and made a, oh, a huge that. donation. Yep. Tunnels to Towers just does a lot. And you both just do so much for your communities. And that's what I love about professional fighting is that you guys can fight, you can beat the hell out of each other, but just really good people as a collective from my experience. Yeah, and, and ultimately, I mean, it, it is it is kind of sounds counterintuitive or kind of we all are just kind of walk, walking oxymorons, right? Because we are, people call it modern day gladiators or you call it. Um, you know the fiercest competitors, and we, you know we're not afraid to brave the unknown when it goes when it comes to going in there, um, not being afraid to to move forward with reckless abandonment and and face the unknown of getting knocked out, cuts, hurt, arms, limbs broken, and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, you see a lot of guys, even the fiercest even the fiercest rivalries, end in a handshake, a hug, um, because ultimately. You cannot compete, train for, and then compete against a guy inside of a mixed martial arts competition without not without having without having a ton of respect for them, especially after you have fought them, um, because we know the sacrifices that go into it. We know the hard work that goes into it. The hours and hours and hours where your life just gets put on hold, and it's just that one blinders on, move forward toward that one fight. So um, we've all been very blessed with a platform like the UFC. And uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun thus far for 15 years for me. So, so imagine if we could take that in a big fight, like I don't know, an election, and then we could all still <laughs> like each other yeah, at the right? end. Wouldn't that be nice? That would There's be nice. There's more of a chance that's going to happen in professional fighting than in politics. So, Defer- definitely. good luck to us. Definitely, and that's uh, that's unfortunate, you know. Um, but I think I think ultimately, like I said, when it when it comes to that, I do. I don't know, maybe I just have some silly blind faith that things will continue to get better. Um, we will continue to come closer. Uh, I think I think traumatizing events or bad things happening each time there is one, eventually the heartstrings get pulled. Um, our just common sense and our human spirit uh, can sometimes prevail. And it shows, there's, it shows inklings of it here and there. Um, so I think it'll keep on getting better. 
I but I won't so. hold my breath. All right. I, I hope so. And we're going to leave it on such a positive note. Thank you so much for being here. So happy that you're in Nashville with your beautiful family. And we look forward to Ultimate Fighter 31 uh, coming at the end of May yep. on ESPN. Thank you. All right. Still ahead, New York Democrats are coming for your gas stoves because in their quest for control, no rock or functional appliance will be left unturned. My final thoughts are next. New York becomes the first state to ban natural gas stoves, so gird your loins and your appliances, folks. The liberals are coming. It's time for final thoughts. Well, we knew this was coming. New York has become the first state to ban natural gas stoves and furnaces in most new buildings, beginning in 2026 for buildings shorter than seven stories, 2029 for taller buildings. Now, there will be exceptions for commercial businesses like stores and restaurants and hospitals. So generous, so kind. But, you know, with all the crime, homelessness and filth in New York, plus all the people leaving for greener pastures like Florida, You'd think banning cooking tools wouldn't top the list, but then again, liberal idiocy never ceases to amaze me in the worst way possible. But here's New York Governor Kathy Hochul celebrating this big win in the fight against properly prepared food and functional heating. But we, just like we had to go from dec you know, long time ago, can transition from coal as your energy source. We do yeah. have to transition. There are clean energy alternatives. It's going to take time. And I want to make sure that New Yorkers don't get hit hard for the cost, so we're going to roll this out. But new buildings that are going up, they can find, they can go electric, they can do heat pumps. This is how you transition. Good God, haven't we had enough transition in 2023? Can y'all give it a rest? You know, these Democrats claim to care about poor people, but yet they want to confiscate cheap energy from the people who need it most. Climate change in and of itself is a rich white liberal concern anyway, but luckily my gas stove identifies as electric, so we're all good. But you know who's really ticked about this? Gavin Newsom. California was the first state to ban gas-powered vehicles and also leaf blowers, so I'd imagine he's going to blow a gasket and break a hairdryer when he hears old Kathy in New York beat him to the stoves. Imagine living in either of those godforsaken states with crime, homelessness, drug use, and of course taxes skyrocketing, and all the while the leaders are going out of their way to ban petty appliances to fight weather. What a time to be alive. But this isn't about the environment, folks. If Democrats cared about the environment, their cities and states would look like trash and needle-infested hellscapes. This is what it's always about, control. They tighten the news a little more and a little more and a little more till we're all eating bugs and composting our own poop. The leftist elites will never do any of that, by the way, but they'll watch from their ivory towers as they force you to, and also, they'll rob us blind in the process. Here is Biden Deputy Energy Secretary David Turk giving his best non-answer as to why we need to shell out trillions to fight weather. And if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by 2050. You're the Deputy Secretary of Energy. Give me your estimate of how much that is going to reduce world temperatures. So, so first of all, it's a net cost. Um, it's what uh, benefits we're having from getting our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits. We're seeing. Let me ask again. Maybe I'm being. Right now maybe I'm not being clear. If we spent $50 trillion to become carbon neutral by 2050 in the United States of America, how, 
how much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem. So we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much, if we do our part, countries. is it going to reduce so world we're temperatures? So we're 13 percent of global emissions. You don't right know, now. do you? You don't know, do you? You can do the math. We need to. You don't know, do you, Mr. Secretary? So we're 13 percent of if global you know, emissions. why won't if you we tell went, me if we went to zero, that would be 13 percent. You don't know, do you? You just want us to spend 50 trillion dollars and you don't have the slightest idea whether it's going to reduce world temperatures. No, he doesn't know because this is a load of B.S. All of it. The federal government can't solve homelessness, but for 50 trillion, they want us to believe they can solve weather. I don't freaking think so. So pause off our gas stoves and our cars and our leaf blowers. Oh, and our freaking kids too. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.